Nitro, brought to you by UPRN Network. Now for your host, Jenny Nicotine. Oh, wow. Torture Tuesday. (laughs) Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Chasing Prophecy Radio, where we discuss everything outside of the scope of normal on this fabulous Torture Tuesday. Yes. Yes. How are you doing, Hello, Sean. Hello, Jason. Hello, Sean. How are you? How are you? I'm just hanging in there. Uh, Sweating to death, but hanging in there. Well, turn your air conditioner This weather's crazier. It is. I got a fan on this time. Uh, the Put air an air conditioner in. Uh, I was thinking about, you ever seen them little small ones that where you throw it in the freezer and uh, and then you fill up with water and ice and it like kind of like um, you plug it in and it blows out cold air. I was thinking of getting one of those. <laughs> or you could get like a window air conditioner. And yeah, and solve, <laughs> too solve loud. Too problem. loud, man. Too loud. You wouldn't be able to hear you. I wouldn't hear myself. But, yeah, uh, how are you doing with the heat? Uh, I'm a big guy, so terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's so, hot. But your house is whole whole air conditioned, isn't it? Yeah, I got it set at like seventy. Oh, you freeze when you come here. <laughs> oh there's wow! Your, there's your link, Sean. Yeah, I see the link. Yeah, we got. Holy crap! We got a lot of links tonight. You're yeah, but um. <laughs> Listen, um, I would like to introduce our guest, Jason. Um, All right. Okay. And our guest tonight, um, Katie Page, right? Katie Grabowski Page, yep. Katie Grabowski Page is a Colorado MUFON state director. Oh, figures. See, no, that was me. <laughs> My phone messed up. Oh, okay. Torture Tuesday. This happens. I'm every like, week. I know some people don't like MUFON, but. <laughs> She is a strike team area research investigator for MUFON and is the team lead administrator for MUFON's MARS team. That is the uh, archive research reporting system. She's the host of MUFON What's Up radio broadcast on KGRADB.com, along with her co-host, Chris... Demperno and Katie Cook. She also conducts her own independent investigations and research outside of MUFON. She has a, she has been a presenter at several conferences and events, and has appeared on many radio shows and podcasts, including Coast to Coast with George Knapp, Space Out Radio, Coast to Coast, Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Holland, Hollis, and many more. Katie is the author of Letters of Love and Light. That sounds interesting. <laughs> For decades of UFO encounters, experience sightings shared with ufologists R. Leo Sprinkle, PhD. She is currently writing her second book, High Strangeness on a Colorado Ranch. The Colorado Skinwalker Ranch. Now that's going to be interesting, everybody. I'm looking forward to reading that here tonight. Uh, cattle cop now see that's copters. <laughs> never heard of that one. Cattle copters, cryptids, and cover-ups. Katie has personal ties to the Colorado Ranch. This is what motivated her interest in ufology to find the answers to all her experience. Welcome, Katie. Thank oh. you for having me. Yes, on. Katie. Welcome to the show. 
Yes. Well, thank you for yeah. having me. Excuse my uh, empty bookcases. We're all packed up and ready to move <laughs> next week, actually close on a place tomorrow. So everything looks a little Congratulations. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Moving up to two acres of land up in the mountains up by, uh -oh. actually, not too far from NORAD. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, That'd thanks be... for having me on. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, I've been um, recent. You know, I kind of started, I love paranormal too. I kind of started out in the ghost hunting world with Stanley Hotel and did the St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida. You know, the ghost hunters would put on those events. So I did some of those events with Tango and Steve and, you know, all that. And that was a lot of fun. Um, that episode was my favorite ghost hunter episode of all time where the the shadows looking down the lighthouse like that. Nice, that was crazy. Nice. But, you know, I, I had a lot of paranormal stuff happen to me throughout my life. And I never really connected it to the UFO ranch that I spent um, time on as a young girl. And as a lot of us do, we go through life, you know, we're just working our jobs and raising families and, and doing the thing. And we don't really have time to look into all these things. So, um, after my kids got older, I, I started revisiting all that crazy stuff that happened back when I was younger. So what um, in your in your profile, um, I'm really interested on this ranch. Can you explain a little bit of that for us, please? Yeah. So basically, um, my you know, I was born in Illinois and moved out to Denver in Colorado in 1970. My mom started dating a man in 1973 and her um, boyfriend and um, fa other family members had a ranch out in Elbert County, Colorado. <clears throat> and um, so my older sister and I would visit this ranch from time to time, mostly on the weekends. The two younger boys lived with us during the week um, and attended the school district we were in. So I didn't live on this ranch property full time, but both my older sister and the family had a lot of unusual experiences there. And I never knew anybody knew anything about it. We were threatened and warned never to talk about it, all the things that were happening out there. So it was like this secret that my sister and I kept all these years. And it wasn't until 2013 when I bought the book Hunt for the Skinwalker which is all about the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, which by the way, when back then it really wasn't all that known. They didn't have a television show or anything like that. I just bought the book thinking it would have some similarities to the stuff I experienced on the ranch in Colorado. And lo and behold, in the chapter, Other Hot Spots, I start reading about the ranch in my childhood. And in that book, I learned that Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, was one of the investigators out there, along with John Durr, PhD, and, and who was a seismologist, and Peter Van Arsdale, PhD. And um, I quickly wrote Dr. Sprinkle a letter verifying that was indeed the ranch of my childhood. And he has an archives actually that's housed in Laramie, Wyoming. And it's only about two and a half hour drive to where I live from there. So I drove out there and got all the original documents. And it was there that I learned it just didn't affect um, our particular ranch property in Kiowa, Colorado, but actually the whole county itself and even Elizabeth next door, all of Elbert County. And you, do you guys know of Linda Moulton Howe? Uh, not um, really, no. Nah, not no, not really, no. To be okay, honest well, with you, no. <laughs> well, Linda Moulton Howe, if you ever watch Ancient Aliens or any UFO show, she's she's a really big name in ufology. And she actually got her start out there in Elbert County in Colorado as a, a journalist investigating the hundreds of cattle mutilations out there at the time. So we had the similarities. I, I don't know if you guys got the photos I sent you. I just resent them. So I don't know if you guys have them or not, but the similar, you get the photos. 
<laughs> but the similarities between the um, Colorado Ranch and the Skinwalker Ranch both have Native American connections. Um, the Colorado Ranch is Cheyenne and Arapaho, and um, the Skinwalker is Ute and Navajo. Both have cattle mutilations, strange humming noises, uh, multiple crafts and lights seen in the area, paranormal activity, disembodied voices, strange disappearing boxes, um, on and on and on. So we can kind of get into these one by one. But the Elbert County Ranch was known in the APRO reports, which was a precursor to, um, well, it was around right around the time MUFON was um, put into action in 1969. It was APRO and uh, it was known as the Clearview Ranch. So if anybody wants to search the Clearview APRO reports, you can actually find them online and read them. Um, and so it was known as Clearview, it was known as the capital uh, close encounter hotspot of the United States at the time. Um, mutilations were almost occurring daily, um, so much so that people were armed with shotguns, you know, by their front doors. You didn't go up to anybody's house at night. The Colorado Bureau of Investigations was aware of this. And through my 10 years of research on the property, I have found out that there was a huge military connection out there as well. Nor NORAD was out there the Colorado Air Force Academy, Camp Carson. So, you know, my question always was how much of this was military activity and black access secret projects like MK Ultra, and how much of this was unknown paranormal activity. So that's what I've been researching for 10 years, just looking for answers. Wow. That, that, and what, in, in your research, what, what have you come up with? What is your whole theory <laughs> on what's happening out there? We would love to well, yeah, well, let me, let me just read to you a couple of things that I found in the documents. So these are original documents, and I wish you had the photos so I could bring them up, because some of them are actually quite interesting. So I, I flew to Florida, actually, and interviewed the undersheriff at the time was Bill Waugh. And I flew out to Florida, interviewed Bill's widow, Jean, and his son, Keith, and did an extensive interview with them. Um, and Bill Waugh, the undersheriff, um, had handwritten notes that I found in Dr. Leo Sprinkle's um, folders. And it said, Bill Wall under sheriffs wanted to talk to somebody. He has seen ships going into the ground. Um, <clears throat> uh, mutilations being done. Doesn't want to talk because he didn't want the stigma for the town. Credentials were an important factor. He said the NORAD colonel said bluntly to forget about it and to shut up. And the Air Force head had a directive to handle both the UFOs and the Bigfoots that were seen out in that area. So that was interesting. And then another note that I found, it said Warren, and then his last name was redacted out, Warren Blank from Camp Carson, which is another base there in Colorado Springs. Um he, vi he visited the ranch, what was, which was crazy to me to think that other people were actually on the ranch and knew about what was happening out there. But he said he felt something wrong and he wouldn't go into the woods. And he felt something take over his mind, would make him walk towards the woods and then it would release him and he would run back to the ranch house. And this did this to him five times, which made me think of MK Ultra and mind control. So right. I found that interesting. When I interviewed the Waz too, Bill Waugh, the sheriff. Now this is a sheriff. He, he knows the area well. They were actively in the area up in airplanes looking for these mutilate, mutilators. They thought at the time that possibly they could be tied to satanic religious, you know, cults, um, whatnot. So they were actively looking for these people. Everybody was the all the, the ranchers out there at the time. They're losing really expensive cattle, like I said. 
And there were all these unmarked helicopters being sighted and all this. So it was a really active time. And Bill Waugh, he spots a light, colored lights in the trees. And he didn't, he knew there was nothing that there was supposed to be there. So he went back into town and got a posse sheriff to go with him. So the two of them go back. And he said that the the box, he, he said it was like a box with these lights next to a tree and they both just disappeared, which was also reported on the ranch property, these disappearing boxes. And that's something I wouldn't talk about for a long time because it just seems so crazy that these boxes, I, first of all, what are the boxes? They would make these strange low humming noises. Um, and then if you got close to the boxes, it would change tone into like an angry bee sound. Um, but... Um, Skinwalker Ranch has experiencing these um, disappearing boxes, and so has Trey Hudson. There's another ranch that's called the South Skinwalker Ranch, and they've actually caught these disappearing or these boxes on floor cameras. So there's something with these boxes. And I actually had somebody come up to me at a conference and said, do you think possibly these humming noises that are coming from these boxes are maybe like herding the cattle or calming the cattle before they do mutilations. I don't know. I thought it was kind of a good theory because something that um, ranchers would talk about when I would interview the different ranchers that have lost cattle to mutilations is that the pastures where the mutilations were occurring were all the cattle were really huddled together and really calm, but the cattle in adjoining pastures were all freaked out and, and going crazy. So I thought that was an interesting theory. But these um, these mysterious helicopters that were seen out there were also, I mean, and this this wasn't just happening in the state of Colorado. It was all through the Midwest. We're talking Montana, you know, Wyoming, Colorado, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, and um, there, these mysterious helicopters were seen out there as well. In fact, there was a great little booklet called The Choppers and the Choppers that statistically ran through all the data on these mysterious helicopters. I uncovered newspaper articles about these mysterious copters chasing people in, in on the ranches and stuff. I'm like, what's up with that? So all sorts of just really crazy activity. And, and as I've been investigating this, I've, I've talked to a few people, there's somebody known in ufology called Richard Doty, and he um, he was a disinformation officer for the Air Force. Um, if you've ever seen the the movie Mirage Man, no. uh, have you either? Okay, I recommend you guys watch that one because that really speaks to disinformation that gets out out there in the world of UFOs and ufology. Um, and you know, why are they doing that? What is the narrative there? And I asked him if he was aware of the Elbert County property and he said, yes, that he was. So that was really surprising to me. And he in fact was the one who told me to go ahead and send the FOIA request to um, uh, Kirkland Air Force Base um, on the uh, two interceptors that had crashed out there. So in Dr. Sprinkle's files, there was a report that two a-70 interceptors out of Buckley Air Force Base actually crashed in pursuit of a UFO. And I was like, holy cow, you've got to be kidding me. Certainly there must be information if two interceptors crashed. And I found the newspaper article, found the date and time of this crash, sent a FOIA request to Kirkland and got a big thick stack back. And it was super interesting because in there, one of the causes of the crash, it said that the it, supposedly it was an instructor and a student that flew at night over civilian houses with 255 
live rounds of ammunition, which is highly wow. unusual. S typically that doesn't happen. Um, and that the instructor misidentified another craft, another craft in the area. And that the student also turned off his beacon light and instead of turning on, it hit his tail. Both pilots ejected and both survived. But what's interesting, they never identify that other craft. They never said it was a Cessna or another military craft or anything. So it's really highly suspicious. And there, a lot of the document is um, blacked out and redacted. So I find that really, really interesting. Um, and in fact, the sheriff said when him and um, George Arnell were up there and, and, you know, in their Cessnas looking for these mutilators that they actually saw an unidentified um, orange orb craft UFO um, that, they couldn't explain it just shot off so there there were ufo spotted out there at the time so oh, wow. oh, that's that, very, that, uh, that's yeah what do you got jason you got a question yeah it, it sounds like there's a lot of relatively the same incidences going on at you know these different ranches uh what do we <clears throat> what do we think there might be like a common grounds of like a cause of this like there's got to be something like some reason that you know, the mutilations are going on here and in the, the lights and everything. There has to be some common, you know, grounds like what do yeah. we think? What do we think might be the. Yeah, I think um, I think there's a, a few different theories out there that we're, we're looking at. One thing that I did, if you go on the Internet and you can look at the magnetic map of the United States. So it's, um, you know, where you can see if something's highly magnetic, the areas. And so I checked. There's also a place in Missouri called Marley Woods. So I checked Marley Woods, Bradshaw Ranch um, in um, in Arizona, the Blind Frog Ranch in Utah, the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, the Colorado Ranch in Elbert County. And also there is another um, within the Mars system that you mentioned at the beginning, which was basically all the old reports within MUFON before we went to digital or online, we have over 10,000 reports um, that a team of us redacted all the information is why we're doing that. I find another case called the Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania creature case. And that one is very similar to Elbert County and Skinwalker as well. So I looked at Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania, and all of these places are pinging the charts as being highly, highly magnetic. It's the shadest light of pink that you can get, meaning those areas are super highly magnetic. We're also looking at just the the geography, you know, water features, spring waters. Are they by, like, for example, in Elbert County, we had the Titan missile silos. So is there, you know, a military connection to these places? Um, are they near... Um, you know, Native American sacred ground places or vortexes, you know, vortexes. I, I do believe that there is some sort of portal high energy um, aspect to this whole phenomenon. I really, I really do. It, it explains so much if that were to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in uh, the Colorado ranch, I know the uh, Skinwalker ranch that you didn't spend on TV and everything. There's a lot of radioactive ground out there that they were, mm -hmm. you know, trying to see if that has something to do with everything. How is that? Is is there a lot of radioactive land up there in the Colorado ranch? You know, it's highly magnetic and there's a lot of springs and rivers. So when I was doing the history of the area, I mean, I, I wonder about like the macabre or the um, <clears throat> um, just the violent 
history of of this land and that's similar with skinwalker ranch too like you can just step on this on in this area and it just feels kind of eerie it just feels different the energy feels different and it's really interesting i was just a few weeks ago i was at the blind frog ranch in vernal utah um oh, wow. and and i went to the blind we actually sat in the healing waters <laughs> at the blind frog <laughs> ranch that was pretty fun um, but the energy at blind frog felt very positive it felt really good there and so i i think there's something to be said and I don't know. I mean, I guess that's true in the paranormal world as well. Like you can go into a building or a location and you can just feel that it's somehow different. Oh, the energy, oh, yeah, the energy is different. Absolutely. And that's how it really feels uh, um, at, at, in Elbert County at this particular ranch property. This um, ranch also sits at the highest elevation of the area, which is interesting to me. I don't I don't know what that means exactly. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're trying to think of everything. And also like the underground. So that was one of the very first things reported out there were these bangs and hummies, almost like a, a turbine or something coming from underground, although there was nothing under there. So I'm like, could they could they be tunneling under there or the, you know, that we're not aware of. So I would get on Google maps and try and like, okay, Air Force Academy, where are they tunneling to? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I we were I, just talking about I mean, what the strange hums, what a couple weeks ago, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, like we, we tried were. to talk about them for like two months, but then there's, there was always something else that would come up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was um, a lot of, you know, we've discovered that there's a lot of people experiencing the same things in a lot of places. And, uh, there's no, no official explanation that I know of, but, you know, we try to think of like, you know, power plants or transformers, you know, stuff like that could make humming noises miles away. And out in West when there's not a whole lot sound travels. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. You know, it's just a um, matter. Yes, yeah, Sean. Good, buddy. Good. No, good. <laughs> no, go ahead. That's go true. Ahead, Sean. <laughs> now, we had a guest on a long time ago. I don't know. Um, I forget who it was, but where you live, is there a lot? Someone he was telling, talking about that there's an underground subway that leads from the west coast to the east coast, and it, or the Midwest to where you're at, and below, you know, like Texas and that. All the way to the east coast and it was built by the military what do you think of that i think that Have could you... be feasible i mean i don't know i was looking at you know the mysterious dia denver international airport that's filled with mystery and intrigue as well so i'm trying to draw draw like i said draw maps from like dia to the air force academy or norad i mean we as colorado especially colorado springs you know you know we're surrounded you know by you know, NORAD and Cheyenne Mountain and Kirkland, uh, you know, not Kirkland, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Port Carson, Camp Carson and all the, in Buttes. Buttes has one of the biggest uh, helicopter um, facilities. So I'm always thinking this has to be connected to that somehow. And like I said, I believe that it is, but I believe they were out there trying to figure out what this unusual um, activity was. So, um, yeah, no, you know, and so another thing that's controversial, but we'll, we'll go there, is the Bigfoot that we're seeing out there. And when I was little, they called them white fuzzies because they were like white and gray. Um, yeah, they did. They called that's them cool. white fuzzies. White, white and gray. Yeah. White, gray, white oh, geez, fuzzies. Pap, it's not you. <laughs> but they were seen around the barn house. They actually, in the reports that I uncovered, they said they got hair samples and casted some, you know, big, prints and everything. I want to know what happened to all that. Um, but these, these Sasquatch beans or Bigfoot, how I know that Bigfoot Sasquatch, um, 
um, we're connected to the craft that we're seeing out there. So, okay. and I know some people are like, no, Bigfoot's not connected to UFOs, but in this case, at this particular ranch, I, you know, they were, um, the witnesses claim that they were. So that's really interesting. And there's a really good book by, I think it's Stan Gordon that talks about some of these cases that have the, the Bigfoot and the UFO reports that go hand in hand. So I find that pretty fascinating too. In fact, um, I don't, have you heard of Bob Solace? Um, um, not really. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's no, okay. Maybe Jenny, maybe Jenny might have met, known about him, but <laughs> I wish you guys had the photos I sent you because there was two drawings that were in Dr. Sprinkle's folders, and one of them was of the Bigfoot creature out there. And I was presenting, I believe it, I was in Laughlin, I'm not sure. Um, and um, Bob Solis saw the presentation, he had sent me an email, and he's like, Oh my goodness. We had somebody up in Montana the same years that um, these were occurring here in Colorado and Elbert County. And he, um, they were giving lie detector tests to um, military men and women who saw these Bigfoot creatures. And this, he sent a sketch of this Bigfoot creature that we're seeing in conjunction with these mutilations and craft, just like in Elbert County. And they're almost identical. They don't look like anything you normally see. They have these round eyes, kind of shaggy, um, not very thick hair, this strange looking nose. Um, gosh, I wish you guys had the photo so I could put them up there. I think but, Joe's waiting to get I them. Think, um, I, think, I, yeah, I, I sent them. Let me see if they didn't go through. See, we, we were talking <laughs> about before on a previous uh show about how it seems that there is a lot of bigfoot sightings around the same time as ufos yes we're finding yes. out and we're trying mm -hmm. to decipher is this like an interdimensional thing what you know what would be causing bigfoot to show up at the same time as ufos you know or does bigfoot you know travel between dimensions too you know yeah I, to... I i wonder if they're not like um bodyguards or workers or um scouts or something like that i'm sending these photos again what if what if the bigfoots are uh doing all like the cattle mutilations you know because they're so hard yeah. to find you know and see them actually what if they're out there just you know super powers super fast and uh, well that's some true of the, some of those cattle mutilations didn't they just take a, their their liver or their heart i mean right like a little well, they'd always drain, the, not always, but most of the time would drain the blood. Um, other animals like mountain lions or coyotes or any other animals would never approach these mutilated cattle. Um, it was like eerie, no tracks were found. So I went and interviewed a, a, a woman named Sheila. She lived in Wyoming and her family actually homesteaded this area in Elbert County. So if you go to the museum, a lot of it's about her family, right? They were early homesteaders and they had lost several cattle to mutilations back during this time. So I drove out and interviewed her and she got married right out of high school in 1978 and they moved to Rama, Colorado, which is just right by where the ranch is. It's Elbert County and then Rama. They're really, really close. And she, they had several, several acres of um, cattle farmland. And her husband was out on horseback checking the cows for calves. And he came across a calf and the calf was dead on the ground and had four incisions cut in a perfect square 
okay? And the top of the fur was removed, but the skin was still there, but the calf was dead. So he gets back on the horse and he goes and gets Sheila and they drive back in the pickup truck. She said it took them about 20, 25 minutes to get back to the calf. By the time they got back, that calf had been completely mutilated, blood drained, organ removed. And what was super awesome is she messaged me on Facebook and said, you're not going to believe this. I found the photographs. So I, and, and again, I just resent those photographs because I, I wanted to share them with you guys, but there was no track marks. She said they felt like they were being watched. It was really eerie. Uh, it scared the bejesus out of them. Um, but uh, yeah, no truck. They were miles off the County road. She said there was no helicopter sounds, nothing. So you're right. If these elusive Bigfoot, maybe they can cloak, maybe they can go phase in and out or something. So that, that would make sense if they're mutilating these cattle because the same phenomenon's kind of happening with that. Right. I mean, yep. something that you can't see is doing this and it's doing it very quickly. So it was, it was like he interrupt, interrupted a mutilation in progress, you know? Um, you yeah. Know, whatever it was. Incisions been... And then, yeah. You know, they had the feeling something was watching them. Maybe right. whatever it was, seen them coming, so dipped out or hid until they left to go get, you know, their truck and come back and then figured it had time and then maybe saw them coming back. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But there was no other truck marks or car marks or footprints or anything around the calf, which is, you know, you can see, actually see it in the photograph. You can see the hoofs from his horse, but there, there was nobody there that and it was like soft dirt like you you would have had footprints up to that calf so that one and then not only did she find the photograph from that but she also found a photograph she said you know coyotes if they they eat a calf they jump on the hind end and they just rip at it they yeah, eat the they calf alive they just tear it apart alive mm -hmm. and um you know this wasn't that at all it was cauterized like you see with these mutilations and it wasn't just or, um, cattle cows and calves it was horse and sheep and even dog that oh. were being mutilated. Yeah. Oh wow! Jeez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah pretty scary. I've heard of mostly cows, you know. Yeah. But, you know, they say beef. It's what's for dinner, so I don't know. <laughs> what yeah. What is your theory behind? What is your theory behind the cattle mutilation? What do you think happened? Well, you know, I think like UFOs, some of them maybe have natural causes you know you heard you know the intestines exploding or whatever but i think a lot of these high strangest mutilations like the one i just told you about with sheila they do not and what i've heard through other people and i know this is going to sound a little nuts but they claim to have an actual et you've heard of area 51 yeah. there's another there's a place do you know of s4 which is no. just right on the backside of area 51 this is where they said to have the back engineered craft and actually even may have an ET there. And they say that ETs, the way they absorb nutrients is through their skin. So um, huh. that they could be taking these organs and the blood, especially in rubbing it on the skin and absorbing it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's, like a lotion. <laughs> that's a, a theory lotion. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> but who knows what they're using that for? I, you know, I don't know. I, I do know that Chuck Zukowski and Christopher O'Brien are kind of the cattle mutilation experts. And I know uh, Christopher O'Brien has written several books. If you look up his name, uh, Mystery Stocks the Prairie and others. Um, actually, mm -hmm. he even in one of those books, he talks about one of, the, one of the early mutilations. The cow was actually placed on the doorsteps of NORAD as oh. like 
like oh. a message oh of some sort, like don't mess with us. Here's a mutilated wow. cattle and we're going to put it right on your doorstep. For as long so, as all the mutilations have been going on, like I haven't seen any like actual concrete evidence of what's doing it. You feel like it, I'm just trying to figure out like how, how come at this point with so many, how come we haven't been able to catch it yet? Exactly. And, and that's why be, it's been years and years and years. So there's right. gotta be some way to film or can't get, you know, get caught on camera or something. Right. And, and that's always been, you know, people ask me like this happened so long ago, why are you still investigating it? Well, a, we don't have answers still. And I also get asked often if these mutilations are still occurring. Now, obviously they're not occurring to the degree they were for that period of time, but we are still, a matter of fact, when I went to interview Sheila, uh, her family is still well connected with a lot of these Midwest ranchers. And she actually said, look, uh, just a few weeks ago, here's a mutilated cow, but they don't, the ranchers don't report them. A, they don't want the stigma. Two, they know this has been going on for decades and nothing happens. You know, they don't get any answers to this mystery. So they just don't even report it anymore. Every now and again, MUFON will get a cattle mutilation case, but it's really rare because um, they just don't report it. They write it off on their taxes and just, and cut the losses and, and go on. Um, but to me, um, you know, it's still, it's still ongoing and it's still unsolved. So, and you're right back, back in the day, people, I mean, I found newspaper articles where they were offering $10,000 rewards to catch these, you know, the mutilators and they Road never trip. caught anybody. Yeah. They never wow. caught anybody. So I don't know. Have, it's have, pretty scary. Have you ever, ever seen an alien before? Uh, <laughs> no, I have not seen an alien. However, there they were reports. So um, John and the oldest son and um, the the neighbor lady all reported seeing ETs on the land out there. In fact, there was a sketch of one in particular ET that was spotted out on the land. And gosh darn it, I wish he had those photos. I just resent them, so I hope he gets them this time. They're in a zip folder, so he has to extract them all if he gets them. Oh, because there's so did many you of get them. Joe, did you get them, buddy? Uh, uh, we'll uh, get, you know. anyway but i'll 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 describe it to you and i'm all packed up so i can't even show it up on thing um oh wait uh no i don't have it um but the et um you know you you typically see an alien with these big almond eyes these were bigger than our eyes but but like maybe twice the size of our eyes, but not like the typical alien eyes they had these mm -hmm. tubes that came out wrinkles around the mouth wrinkles on the forehead and uh, just very unusual looking. And I didn't put them out anywhere. I didn't share them with anybody because I never had seen anything quite like it before. And so interestingly enough, a couple years later, I had a guest speaker come talk for Colorado MUFON. His name's Sean Bartok, and he had written a book called Flashbacks. And he was talking about his very similar experiences on his property, very much like Skinwalker Ranch in, in Elbert County, come to find out his property was literally 14 miles away from the ranch property. And I'm sitting there in the third row watching his presentation and up pops drawings that he drew of the ETs that were seen on his property. And you couldn't get any more close. I mean, they were almost identical to one another with the tubes. It's interesting though, one of his pictures, it shows the tubes in the neck. And he said those tubes actually came out just like in the drawing from our, so it almost looked like AI, 
you know, like a, oh, wow. like a AI being. And then the other ETs that were reported being on that property were like a Nordic type. Um, and, and in the reports that I got from Dr. Sprinkles, it said those two ETs were in conflict with one another. Something was going on between these two races of beings and we were in their way. Just like, don't mm -hmm. mind us and we won't mind you. Uh, you the know, and the bloods. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sort of. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. So, I never witnessed them personally with my own eyes, mm -hmm. but I did have a really terrifying night, my sister and I, and I had some physical effects after I got home because we lived about an hour away from the ranch property. So my sister and I and the three boys were all hanging out. I believe it was the boys' mother's birthday. They were up playing board games and all of a sudden that humming noise started up, you know, that mm, mm -hmm. and all the power in the house went out. And so, you know, when you're young kids, you're like, oh, my God, flash, flashlights, candles. And at that time, <laughs> the brightest, yeah, the brightest <laughs> white light you ever saw came through the window. OK, um, and that's when the disembodied electrical voice gave us that warning. We have allowed you to remain. Your friends will be instructed to remain silent concerning us. Oh, I, it was terrifying. And there was no power in the house, yet this booming voice was everywhere. Could that have been the military trying to scare us? Yes, it could have been. I still am not sure about that. But that night when I got home, um, I actually went paralyzed. I couldn't talk for a good few minutes and then had my first really bad migraine headache and suffered migraine headaches after that, along with shadow figures in my room, they'd often come in two or threes, these tall shadow figures. So I never slept alone after that. I, I'd, we moved the bed up against the wall. You know, you check the closet, you check under the bed. I slept with big boogeyman. sister. Yeah, because it was the boogeyman. That's what it was. It was these <laughs> tall shadow figures and they peep around, you know, the doorways. And, you know, um, I also had an encounter with a basketball-sized blue orb. And I kind of always separated the paranormal stuff and the UFO stuff until um, skinwalkers at the Pentagon started talking about this hitchhiker phenomenon that they get at Skinwalker Ranch. And they have had the same encounters with these blue orbs, these same blue basketball-sized orbs, and the shadow figures. Um, and they seem to follow people home. When you go to these high-strangeness locations, they will sometimes follow you back you know, to your home. So they call them hitchhikers, which is a good book, oh, by the way, if you want to read a good book, um, skinwalkers at the Pentagon is a really good one. Wow. I wonder if those orbs are just trying to like, you know, see what's going on or figure out like who you are or what your intentions were kind of thing or, or just getting attached. Yeah, they almost feel um, like they're monitoring or watching in some sort of sense. Um, I had a witness to that. Actually, the, the, my encounter with the blue orb was quite interesting. I'm so happy I journal about it. So tip for all of you out there, and I'm sure you guys do this, but anytime something unusual happens to you, journal it, write it down, write the date, write the time, write what happens, because I was so happy that I did that. Because I had forgotten that um, my, my boys were small, you know, they were younger at the time. And we had those, you know, those bucket of Legos. I had a red yeah. bucket of Legos yeah. and it was in, Step it was in, in my bedroom. Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the bucket thing. tipped over in my room. That's what woke me up. The whole bucket of Legos tipped over. Okay. And oh, that wow. woke me up out of my sleep. And I looked in the corner of my room and that's where I saw the big basketball sized blue orb and it got kind of more dense in the center of it. And so I was, I woke up my husband, Steve, I'm like, wake up, you got, you know, so he saw it, but as soon as he, kind of caught eyes on it the thing just went whoosh, 
and disappeared. And at that time, the auto lights um, from the people behind us, they kept going on and off. So that was really strange. Um, I don't know what that was, but it did feel some sort of like monitoring or watching or I don't know what. Sean, I, do you think I, that yeah. might be something more paranormal or do you think that might be more towards UFOs? I think that's more paranormal. You mm -hmm. know, um, when you mention blue orb, um, to me, a blue orb is a very good orb. All right? oh. So very angelic, I would have oh. to say. I hope so. You know, <laughs> but I, no, no doubt you're still around, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, no, I've heard that some people say they're healing, that they're they are very healing. healings, and others have said that they're not. So, you know, it's that same kind of thing. Well, which is it? You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, well, at least you're here talking to us now. But, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, it's amazing because, you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, asking about that. I, I always wonder, you know, are the angels actually protecting us from the aliens what do you think um i've kind of you know through my research and and talking to people both you know talking to heidi hollis and that that's something we talk about that um some of these very scary negative um paranormal events that happen to people whether they're paranormal or et contact or whatever can be very frightening but somehow it seems to be a trend where they turn into a more spiritual positive occurrence for a lot of people. And, um, you know, uh, Heidi's like, well, you know, you might need to be careful because that could be tricksters at play, which I'm always worried about. And just like when you go into a paranormal investigation, it's always good to protect yourself with white light and positive thought and all that, all that good positive energy, because you don't want those negative attachments. But yeah, I do. I've come to believe there has to be some sort of battle or war or something just like in biblical times for good and evil you know and that's oh, true with ets on. as well yeah yeah and all it's the fear what, yeah. that's happening right now something from the what are they called the lizard people and the grays are battling i i, I you know what I reptilians, know. <laughs> reptilians. <laughs> we just talked about reptilians. that on our show earlier <laughs> so. but you know yeah. what it just seems if you look at it just the world today is in such chaos, you know what I mean? It's just nothing's right, and yeah. it's affecting everybody. And yeah, it's well, that's a perfect feasting ground for uh, negative energy Yeah, you know, with all the chaos that's out there. So maybe that's why more stuff is, uh, you know, becoming, you know, to light. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just <laughs> hopefully one day it will get better. Who knows? But you're yeah. on this uh, star team, right? Mm -hmm. Is that where you go when someone calls in and they have so you UFO that you go out to um, investigate it? Can you explain a little yeah. bit more what you do with that? Yeah, we have our go back. <laughs> if, an, <laughs> if another Roswell happens, we're we're on it. We got to beat the Air Force. <laughs> now, actually, in reality, a lot of what we do um, as MUFON investigators actually is pretty boring and tedious. A lot of what people report we can explain as starlink satellites or airplanes or drones or you know bugs or birds or blah, blah, blah. so we we do a lot of what we do on the computer as far as checking things like stellarium heavens above for satellites flight radar 24 but when we have really good cases where people are seeing you know sometimes multiple sightings night after night 
or they have trace evidence, landing sites, or you know, photographic video evidence, we do go on site and we can, just like with a ghost hunt, we can measure for EMF, uh, measure things or take, you know, soil samples and things like that. Um, and do, of course, the most important part is just interviewing and, and separating witnesses and whatnot and getting their testimony on tape and getting really good reports. Because I think history is really important, you know, um, to to try and analyze the data and also look for commonalities between people's experiences. Do you uh, do you personally know anybody that may have been abducted by aliens? Because we hear a lot about abductions, and we've had guests on the show that you know claim to be abducted and stuff like that. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think they're abducting people left and right? Certain people? Do you know anybody? You know, we're well, just trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, yeah, that that's one I you know. I've been leery about for a while. I Travis Walton is a well-known abductee. Um, I know Travis, and um, I think he is somebody that had a true experience of an abduction phenomenon. And um, there's been several. You know, MUFON has the experience or resource team that deals just with contactees and abductees. And the difference between an abduction and a contact or contactee um, is an abduction is where somebody feels they were physically taken, like out of their bedroom or out of their vehicle or camping or whatever, and you're lifted actually physically into the craft. And a contactee is more of this mind-to-mind -mind communication through lucid dreaming or people who channel the ETs, people who could call in or believe they can call in craft and they just have this kind of contacty connection. Um, I believe both, it's taken me years to get there, but I do believe both are occurring. And I believe that oftentimes it'll start in childhood and then they'll follow or monitor, maybe just like with the cattle. I think that a lot of it is generational in families, maybe different bloodlines, different family lines. So typically if you're talking to a contactee and an abductee, oftentimes somebody else in the family will have similar experiences. That's what I have found. Um, so yeah, I think it's ongoing and it seems to be ramping up, you know, um, something, like you said, something's going on, just like with the congressional hearings with, you know, UFOs and, you know, the, the Navy coming forward in 2017, like, why is this happening now? You know, that this is all kind of coming out. See, I was, I was, I was in the Navy and I was on, on the carrier mm -hmm. and I look at the videos that, you know, the Navy released or the government released and, when I heard the pilots like talk, like laughing and joking, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, no, um, go get it. You know what I mean? They had a lock. They could have shot the sucker down, but, <laughs> but they didn't, you know what well, I mean? Well, they said they're too does, fast. Well, thank you for your service, first of all. But does that, does that speak to you that maybe they knew what it was? Yeah. I think, Interesting. I, honestly, yeah, I really, I really believe that. I believe that maybe being part of the government, you know, or like hush hush on the situation, you know what I mean? I know for a fact that Air Force pilots um, usually spot UFOs, but when they come in and land, they're not allowed to talk about it. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they can get in a lot of trouble if they start speaking out about right. the UFOs that, you know, that they witnessed. But, 
Yeah, but how times are changing and everything's all over the internet now and everything is, you know, instant pictures well, and people posting right. stuff. Maybe that's why it seems like it's uh, coming more to the forefront. You know, because we have the internet in the palm of our hands on cell phones and everything. You know, back, you know, in, in the day, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. kind of my take on it. I think a couple of things could be happening. I think, like you said, because we're all so vocal now in public and there's so many podcasts and we're all talking to one another finally through this platform, it's sort of like having a snowball go downhill that they can't control. So they're trying to control the narrative mm -hmm. um, because more truth is going to come out um, and it's slowly dripping out through all of us, not them. Or my, my other hypothesis could possibly be that they're trying to project a false narrative like lately everything you hear you know is threat 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 it's a threat it's a threat now is that to get funding and and they can't get funding through the government unless it's a threat because so far um i don't i mean other than the poor cattle <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know how much of a threat they really are obviously we don't want people flying around in our airspace that we don't know i mean there's been some near misses of aircraft and stuff. So I, I get it to a degree, but I'm, I'm just highly suspicious, you know, of why now and what are they trying to do? And the, the most frightening thing that came out of the congressional hearings for me was when they were talking about control and can they actually prosecute people for um, trying to put out um, information that they don't believe, like they want to censor what's good, what you're able to talk about, censorship. Mm -hmm. censoring contactees, censoring witnesses. Like we can't censor people. If they have an experience, they need to be free to talk about it. So right. that kind of scared me. Like, what do you mean? You, this is America. We're not censoring what people are saying. You know, we, we do have free speech too. We know? do. <laughs> but and it just, it's so mind boggling that the government is just keeping everything hush hush. And, and that's, for the last three years, like we were talking before the show, I, I'm just like so confused. Why can't they just share it? What is so important about the aliens that the government's hiding? Yeah, it was also shocking to me too that they didn't know the historical data. I mean, maybe it's shocking to me because I'm so steeped in it. <laughs> I know, you know, about them shutting down our nuclear warheads and that, but that's pretty important. You would think they would know about that. In fact, I can't believe that they don't know about that. So they're just not being forthcoming or forthright with it all. So I, I don't know what the end game is here, but it certainly seems like something's up. And I also wonder like why the Navy is coming forward and the Air Force is remaining hush hush. And going back to the ranch and all my research on the ranch, I really think the Air Force is steeped in these um, black access secret programs and projects. I, I mean, there's over 150 of them that we're aware of. And so I think there's liability at stake for the Air Force. They have so much that they've covered up through the decades that they can't come clean right now because there's just too much, you know? That's what, do you what think, I think. Jason? What do you think? Uh, so I got a couple thoughts. Uh, one, uh, are they keeping it hush hush because they think it might cause a mass hysteria? You know, a lot of people think about it. A lot of people would probably freak out and, you know, war of the world's kind of status, you know, with aliens. Or do we think that the they're keeping quiet about it because maybe they actually have, you know, because they have the funding and everything. Maybe they 
have proof that aliens are living underground or underwater because if you think about it we see all these ufos and everything and if you look at the size of the universe which is so massive we can't even fathom that how did they pick planet earth how did they know where <laughs> we were in the universe other than if they were extremely close by you know it's just a thought that i have maybe maybe you know maybe that's why it's quiet because they know they're here and just don't want it getting out because then mass hysteria and then you'll get the folks that are trying to hunt them down and get into places they don't need to be and causing more problems just a thought it, yeah if they are here why do you think they remain hidden i'm not sure maybe yeah. they don't want to be known or maybe they've been here for a lot of years and just trying to see what we're doing to the planet or i'm i'm not sure yeah. i mean i i look at it like this if there was an alien attack we got 30 seconds and we're done you know what i mean how would there be there sort of be hysteria but we'd be all gone would be zapped mm -hmm. out i really believe that they would have done it already there's no reason for them to hold back now correct me if i'm wrong um when area 51 when whenever that started when that fine saucer got down uh, was down um isn't it like about three or four years later, microwaves started to come into play? <laughs> Are you talking about Roswell? <laughs> Roswell. Is that it? I don't know. Yeah. What the fuck? You know, know, I know they talk about micro fiber and, and yeah. 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 I think that, you know, our scientists, we can, we know where all those technologies kind of stemmed from and how they, they were brought into production. So I, I don't like subscribe to that whole theory that, that we got all that from the Roswell crash. However, bringing up Roswell, I don't know if you guys take a break, so maybe we can wait till after break. But a few years ago, I got a really awesome MUFON case um, about, so there was a Brigadier General Arthur Exxon, and it was rumored that one of the Roswell bodies was taken to a mortuary outfit in Denver. Oh, Whoa. So I actually got that case and that's, I actually have been researching that just as much as the Elbert County ranch. And in fact, have covered a lot of really good in information on that. Now, president Eisenhower, his wife, Mamie um, is from Denver, right? Mm -hmm. So I have without giving too much away because it's an ongoing investigation, but long story short, the mortician um, actually, was the one that contacted us, him and um, some, uh, they're um, out of California. Her father was best friends and they both worked at the mortuary together. And this body sat, you know, where they store the chairs, this vault sat in the corner of this room down in the basement of this mortuary for decades. And he didn't think there was a body in there and finally inquired about it. And turns out there was a judge who had a hold on this body. And um, curiosity got the best of him. So he pulled his caper and he went in the middle of the night and opened the vault. And he was shocked to see a child-sized casket in there with a body that, um, it was a child-sized body under seven layers of formaldehyde cloth. All the visceral was completely removed. The genitals were cut out, orifices for ears, really heavy brows. He did not think ET at the time. He wasn't into because my first question was, why didn't you take a picture? Oh, my God, it's the Roswell body. And he said, well, he didn't think that at the time. He thought severely hydrophysalic child. 
Um, it wasn't until years later that he and his wife were hang gliding in truth or consequences in around the Roswell area in New Mexico that they just happened to visit the Roswell Museum and learned about this rumored body taken to a mortuary outfit in Denver that all the bells and whistles went off in his head and thought, oh my gosh, that's what it was that I saw. And what's interesting about that is the judge that hold, had the hold on the body was a federally appointed judge by Nixon. Um, and he was a crash retrieval specialist judge and the infectious disease judge. They were also, so the owner of the mortuary, the Eisenhowers and the judge were all 33 degreed Mason and went to the same lodge that was close oh, to wow. Fitzsimmons and Lowry. Oh. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. So I've been getting gathering my documents and um, talking with um, Don Schmidt and others um, about this whole rumored body here. And what's cool about it is I do believe I know where that body was moved to. It's in a very secure location where nobody would ever get access to it. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's ways where we can verify that there's perhaps a, a, at least a vault under the ground where I think they moved this body to. So I do believe there, that there was truth to the rumor of one of the Roswell bodies being taken to Denver, which obviously, you know, I do believe that in fact, a, a UFO did crash in Roswell. I mean, people are, if you're not into ufology, you're, you hear about Roswell in 1947, but there was a huge wave of UFO sightings all across the country in 1947 um, in a lot in New Mexico, you know, where we're testing the atomic bomb and whatnot. There's Aztec and Socorro and so many others um, around the New Mexico Trinity site. So it's really a fascinating time for UFOs. So yeah. is there like other cases that say like after our show and tomorrow I'm off, I'm on, if I, you know, research 1947 different places, will they come up on, on the computer? That's not Roswell, but other places. Um, <laughs> not as, not as much as I would hope. Um, gosh, I wish, you know, Doug Wilson does a great, he was the state director in Colorado before I was, and he did a great presentation on all the 1947 crashes. Um, and, but I can certainly, um, Barry Roth actually on. has, yeah, Doug Wilson, um, but Barry Roth actually has a great book out too that goes uh, through a lot of these less known cases in 1947. So maybe search less known UFO cases in 1947, but I could certainly maybe send you some links to look at. Um, I'm not one of those researchers that has all the names and dates up in my head, like in a cyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> some of these guys, I'm just like blown away that they can remember all these. Oh yeah, it's general. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? Anyway, so we've but, heard before that um, a lot of people that end up getting abducted by aliens seem to have something in common of having a rare blood type. What is your what is your opinion on that? Do you think that that plays a factor into this, or or is it just happen to be coincidental? Well, I, I ask that question a lot to other people. I think it was Nick Redford that did the Bloodlines of the Gods, who talks about the Rh negative factor. Um, um, is it the Basque people? You know, they say the Rh negative is a mutation, right, of our right. genome. Um, so, yes, there's a higher percentage of people with Rh negative. But it's still only, I want to say, I, I just talked to Kathleen Martin about this. And I want to say she threw out the, like somewhere like 37% or some, something like that. Don't, don't quote me exactly. But so a, a higher percentage are RH negative, but certainly the vast majority are not, right? So right. 
So I don't know. Um, it's interesting when you, I have noticed just through all the years of interviewing contactees and abductees and even witnesses, or um, you, you know, a lot of times people that have contact, ET contact, they become very spiritual or they'll become psychic or more um, just intuitively aware, sensitive, maybe precognitive. A lot of them go on to be healers or whatnot. And it's interesting because I do notice an overwhelmingly amount of people that I talk to anyway will have green eyes, blue eyes, maybe Irish descent. So I have noticed that just from my own personal talking with people. Okay. Sean, didn't yeah. you say that you got abducted a long time ago from having some rare blood? I, I could have sworn I remember you saying that on one of our shows. I, well, when I was uh, with Joe, I was talking to him and um, I, I don't know. Jason, honest to God, because all I know is that I was sleeping. This big bright light came in on me. Mm -hmm. But um, at that time, when we first started, um, hi, Joe. <laughs> but um, once we started um, about aliens in this in this show here, I, I was confused. It took me a long time to understand the RH factor. Um, he uh, Something about O-negative blood. You know, that's something, but, um, no, I don't, I don't know if I was or not, to be honest with you. All I know is that I was, my eyes were closed and I just saw this real bright light and that, that maybe I was, I don't know. Did you have your pineapple shirt on? <laughs> God, no. <laughs> no, I didn't have my pineapple shirt. Not at all. Hey Joe, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. I, I was listening. I'll talk about blood types since my organization is the one that invented the blood type thing and brought it into being in the universe i always tell everybody the same thing there's four ancient aliens i've done i've done about blood types anybody can go check them out i noticed linda moulton howe tried to pick it up later on but no one's got the in-depth research that we do when it comes to alien abductions or well, blood what types. is what is your reach research showing with the rh negative well, currently we have eighty-six thousand cases on file oh wow and 65 percent of all the cases we have on file are rh negative that's really and interesting. Almost sixty-eight percent, or what I, I don't, I, I like to say, colored eyes. They're other than brown eyes. Let's say it like that. Yeah, that's what uh, I've noticed too. Because the eye color is kind of diverse. You know, it was pretty much green and blue, but now they're kind of making more mutations. We're getting other colors now. So mm -hmm. even though they want to lump everything under brown, blue, or green, it's it's a little different than that these like days. Like ha the hazel green. Yeah, yeah I've I noticed mean, that too. Very overwhelming blue, green-eyed. Um, but you know what they all have in common, right? They're all mutations, all of them. Right. People don't, people don't realize this, but two million years ago, we were brown-eyed, brown-skinned, brown-haired. That's what we were. We were a very boring race. I mean, there was no diversity into us. Brown eyes. <laughs> My wife has brown eyes. I'm not criticizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, um, but around 35 or 45,000 years ago, out of the blue, RH negative came on the scene for no reason. And it's a baby killer. So Mother Nature wouldn't have created it. It kills babies. Until the antigenogen gene was invented, you couldn't, you had to have a, you had to go down and you couldn't have babies. That's why you had to right. have blood tests when you got married. Right, right. Well, that somebody, they said, you had to blood test. I said, yeah, they had to know a blood test so you wouldn't have yeah. problems with your children. So like, yeah. you're kidding me. I'm like, no. So yeah, this is. No, that happened to me. Yeah, yeah I know. And well, and then of course, RH negative or O negative is the universal donor. And it's also the purest form of blood known to man. So all of a sudden, out of the blue, something, Mother Nature, God, or ET, dropped this in our lap. 
40,000 years ago. And it's been making a slow but surely progression into our society from 1% to 10%. Now it's at 16%. And it's grown. And I agree. overwhelmingly, contactees seem to possess these. And I, I hate when I say this because it always comes out to the same thing. Oh, well, only RH negative people. No, that's not true. RH positive people get abducted just as much. But the thing of it is, is if you go back 500 years or maybe 1,500 years, you would find more than likely that RH positive outnumbered RH negative. But as time goes on, that is changing. And it's changing swiftly. And, and, and like the show. Wow, it's a little scary. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. And what I was going to say is, too, you got to remember, just like my mother, for example, is RH negative and I'm RH positive. I'm A positive. My mother's A negative. Yeah. Um, and just like with my youngest son, Tyler, I, you know, every three weeks, ultrasound, they had blood transfusions ready because my antigens, my antibody E was trying to fight off his. So there's the, that compatibility issue with the blood. Um, so, you know, just because somebody is abducted or contacted who is positive um, blood does, doesn't mean they don't stem from a line of also negative, A negative yeah, or O negative. Well said. It's more yeah. than likely, I, I would think, and, and this is sheer speculation at this point, I would think somewhere along the line, one of the alien races, whether it's greys, reptilians, humans, whoever they want to blame it on, more than likely it was the greys, but gave us a gift. You know, we, we know through the Sumerian text that the there was a human race like ours on this planet, but it was a slave race and they weren't sentient the way we are. We also know through the same text that the reptilians used to come in, steal and rape their women. The children were born, they were born different. Well, they, at first, the first time I heard this story, I said, oh, they must look different. No. They acted differently. They were self-aware. And when I found out that humans actually had a reptilian section in their brain, and it was a very big part of who and what we are, then I realized there was a slave race, the reptilians interbred, and they became more like we are today. They were more aggressive. Oh. They were more outgoing. They were asking, why in the hell do I, why am I out here plowing a field? Why don't you get your ass out here and plow the field? <laughs> it was just, it, it changed. And Go it, ahead, it changed. Sean. What did you want um, to say? Yeah, yeah. I got... Excuse me, Joe. Oh, go ahead, baby. Sure, sure. I'm just dropping in for a minute. Uh, <laughs> no, I. Uh, this second hour uh, sponsors our show, uh, Carnation. So right, thank you, Carnation. Thank you, Carnation. Carnation for Torture yes. Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> Joe, did you get the pictures? Oh, let me see. Uh, if y'all, <laughs> what did y'all send him? ICA a card? No, I don't see him yet. Why are you looking I, in junk folder? I just well, copied it. Check right now. I'm gonna check right now. It's icarcox.net. Let me. Let yeah, me I just copied it. and pasted it from here. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully, I didn't do something oh. wrong there. My hand, my uh, text and type is not always the best. Let me yeah. see. I'll make sure they. Where is okay, Katie, Katie? What would you do if you actually came face to face with an alien? What would you do? <laughs> finally finally i get to meet you <laughs> we're not all bad we're not all bad i know it How looks that know? way from they'll, a they'll distance <laughs> yeah i don't know Seems i think i think the aliens think scary. we're all all crazy um so i was um hypnotized from dr sprinkle he was a well-known um hypnotherapist Dr. and yeah. psychologist, Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD. And um, he was a veteran for over 40 years. In fact, that's what my first love letters, my first book, Letters of Love and Light is all about. It's all about Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who is a oh. pioneer in the field. Because what ended up happening, I went to get all the documents from the ranch and I started reading 80, he had 84 boxes in the archives and I started reading letters 
that people had written him over a 40 year span from all around the world about their experiences, right? And Leo kept all his response letters. And I thought to myself, it actually came through in a lucid dream, letters of love and light. Um, Cause he always signed his letters, love and light, Dr. Sprinkle or Leo. And um, um, what was interesting though is um, I thought if I found these um, letters interesting, other people would too. So I spent three and a half years compiling them into chapters. Some people, a lot of people talked about, was it a dream or memory? So Sean, when you talk about you don't know, you remember the bright light, but you're not sure if something happened. A lot of times people will have like these vague memory or dreams and they don't know if it's an actual contact abducting experience or a dream. So one chapter talks all about that. There's ET craft descriptions, ET descriptions, channeling the ETs. Um, we have people who claim to get messages, but he was really best known as a hypnotist. So he put me under for an hour and a half. And it was really interesting to listen back to that tape. Um, it took me like a week to listen back to it. But something that came through in that tape is that ET was interested in humanity because we're so bipolar, we're so emotional, we're so both very loving and good and, 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 and at the same time, we can turn on a dime and become very violent and enraged, right? We're very um, creative, um, both artistically and musically, and that these ETs have sort of lost that through the thousands of years they, they progress, they're more machine-like. And that's what came out of my, my mouth was well-oiled machines. And they were trying to get some of that back into their line. That's what came through. And I've heard that from other people as well, like Seb Talk said the same thing. Now, see, here's, here's what bothers me, and Jason could agree with me on this one. Whenever oh. I hear people channeling ETs, <laughs> yeah. How do you know they're ETs? They could be right. something. Yep. No, I agree with you. Um, it's like that little voice, like Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder. Like I think for people who are psychic or or have that, um, even in you know with your paranormal, you, you have to learn to distinguish what are your own thoughts and your own voice, your inner dialogue with yourself, because we all do that. And what is what isn't that? And then who is it? Right? Who is right. Where is that coming from, that divine inner voice? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's ET or not. And I, I feel the same way. Like, how do you know who you're talking to? Well, <laughs> it's just know? like with the uh, contactees and with the lucid dreaming and everything. Um, yeah. You know, how do how do we know that they might actually be intercepting messages from UFOs or, you know, just because they're so involved into it and excited about it that they just might be having dreams and then like, oh, I was contacted by this or that, but yeah. it, it was actually just a dream because that's what we do. You know, our brains right. come up with all kinds of crazy stuff while we're sleeping. Right. The the coolest thing in those files um, I that I found fascinating and most compelling were the letters and drawings from children. And the, of course, you got to remember, this is coming like in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s before computers, before, you know, these, you could have a kid in, you know, New York and a kid in California, and they're drawing very similar type things or talking about similar experiences in these letters. And I'm like, now that's pretty compelling to me because, you know, they're not so easily swayed by the things that adults are or, you know, movies and TVs and fantasy. So I don't know. I was no. just, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're a guest. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just gonna say I was I just did a conference actually in Sedona. And after the conference, a little boy named Kai came up to me, very spiritual little boy. He had his little crystal pyramid and he had just all these drawings and he was drawing the whole universe and the planets and all the moons. And he was drawing the hat man and aliens and ET and all. I mean, it, he was just an incredible little spirit. And I was like, whoa. So, you know, I, I yeah, it was really cool. Now, some of the people... Now, I'm not knocking everybody, and, and I'm, I'm not knocking what they believe in or what, but to me, it seems like people want to be accepted in, in the world, and mm -hmm. they say, well, I'm going to channel E.T., you know what I mean? And they, they're not, you know what I mean? They're not channeling, but they think they are, and, you know, they go around with massive egos telling everybody this, and I just think that... A lot of people who do that are playing with fire. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that um, we all get guidance and intuition. And I think they're confusing it and um, taking it maybe to a different level. But I don't know. But then there's people like the Ashtar Command is a, a yeah, really well-known. You're reading that, my yeah. mind. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're reading my mind. <laughs> I am Ashtar Command. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know. I think that's something all of us have. I think we all have that inner voice, that inner guidance, that inner intuition. And maybe some people exercise it and can fine tune it, I guess, like a radio more than others. But how do you trust that information? I mean, I mean, come on, like people, have been, you, it, and, and nothing will bring that to your attention when you're reading all these letters. And I'm reading from, you know, the, they're predicting the end of the world over and over and over again, or they're predicting, and none of that has come to pass. So right. some of the stuff that they've channeled and downloaded, none of it has happened. So how can you trust that, really? I don't know. True. You need to learn about the Holocaust dreams. That'll, that'll help you to understand that. One third of all of our contactees have what we call the Holocaust dream. It's not really? anytime soon, probably isn't for a very long time. And it doesn't kill or wipe out everyone on the planet. But it's, it's very interesting because ICAR keeps all of our, we keep everybody separate. So we have like a base group of abductees we use for research. And then we have everybody else because we have uh, right now we currently have four, six generation, six generation cases, 10, five generation cases. And almost I think current membership is almost 100,000 right now. Wow. And, uh, and I'd say the majority of them are abductees or contactees because that's the only thing we really, you know, we kind of keep it to ourselves. It's all privately funded. So, yeah. So uh, yeah. so they're seeing like an uh, apocalypse, like an end it, of the world scenario. You know what's, what's weird about them? I'll go real fast because I don't want to get into your time. Um, they see this this. Like they're in a city and all the lights are working, everything's on, all the cars are parked on the side of the streets. There's no bodies laying around or anything like that. They're even when they walk up to like the, the shops, the thing recognizes them, it tries to sell them something. It's like some kind of virtual reality. And they all talk about this. Then they talk about finding at the like on the outskirts of the city, they'll find these big mass graves. Sometimes they'll find the military. It sounds because all the buildings attack, it doesn't sound like a nuclear war. It sounds more like a pandemic of some sort. And according to them, it wipes out just about 70% of the population of the planet. Wow. And it does That's pretty terrifying. Seven days. But nobody gives a date. No one has a clue. It could be 100 years. It could be 100,000 years. That, that's what's funny about it. It's just that they all see it the same way, just in different cities, and very, very, very clear. Because it's all in the hypnosis. It's, 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 it's weird and scary and kind of exhilarating all at the same time. Because, you know, all the rest of our contactees don't see it. They don't talk about it. 
they talk about, yeah, we need to get more serious about saving our planet and doing things right, like that right. to save ourselves. But um, this one third, and they see it vividly. And about every so often, you know, I'll, I'll interview a couple of contactees and like the 10th, 12th, 15th one will just come in and say, hey, have you heard about this? I'm like, and then I'll just let them talk, you know, put on recording, right. talk. And I said, well, wait a minute here. Let me let you listen to this one. And they're like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> it's weird. Right. It's a, well, that's how we do research through comparison study. It makes yeah. it easy. And, and do you ever, do you ever get any contactees or abductees talking about AI and, and we have singularity and, AI and, and AI is a singularity or anything like that? We, we've had them talk about AI. Now here's another weird before you see the grays. People don't realize grays probably most advanced aliens coming here, except for maybe the light beams. They, um, there's different grays, there's different color grays. None of them are actually gray anyway. They're, um, but they have two sets of three footers. They have the three footers that would be just alive. Oh, there's my dog. Oh, God. He agrees. He agrees. Captain. They're here. Then they have what we call, a, um, I guess what you would call it in today's world, what is it? It's half alive and half over. What do they call them? Um, they're not, what the hell are you call Like zombies? No, no, no. They're, they're alive <laughs> and they're controlled. They're partly controlled by the other great next to them. But there's a name for them. There's even movies made out of uh, about half human, half cy cyborgs. Cyborg. Yeah. So these these grays, the little grays, one set of them are cyborgs, and they work with the other three foot grays. But then there's the five six foot grays, the seven nine foot grays, and none of them are gray. That's that's one of the reasons when we talk to abductees, it's considered abduction criteria, and mm -hmm. um, to know the actual colors of what <laughs> they actually really are. The grays is a Hollywood thing. They came out as as a Hollywood color. But that's not truly the color. And I'll tell you this, a lot of grays, if they haven't fed recently, are translucent. I've because heard that. Yeah, kind of, they're, yeah. They're food through their Predator. skin. Yeah, we've learned a lot about them over the years. We've got a lot of people and we learned a lot. And But still. I, I know when I when, when I first came into this, I was always looking for the blue ones. I'm like, where are the blue ones? Because that's what <laughs> so, the grays really are. Well, like I thought blue, it was exactly like what color blue the grays are because I don't want to get a bunch of Almost like the blue in, in Jay's background of the clock. Like yeah, it's kind a, of it's, that, a, it's, a, it's an off. It's an off blue. Like, yeah, it's very I similar always, to that, but a little lighter. I always get the sense that it's a blue that people haven't actually seen before, but it is a blue. So it's, they yeah, they try to describe blue. it. I've heard people call it cobalt blue, electric blue. Um, it's strange, but that's the real colors. Yeah, like the blue and, avion. Uh, yeah, and then if they like I said, if they haven't fed, sometimes it'll be a little more translucent. But there's two other colors of them too that serve different purposes. Right. We learned a lot over the last 35 years, but God, every time I learn something, I just it opens up another 25 pieces I need to learn. I'm like, what? yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the that's the trick with this whole topic is the more you know, the more questions you have, and and I feel like it's so frustrating. I mean, typically, when all my books are here, I have thousands of books, and it's like you have to reinvent the wheel. That's why I'm so excited for, I, I want smart computers to have access to all our history and all our data so they could start figuring out and asking these questions that we're all trying to, it takes us years and years and years to read and, and get caught up on all this stuff when a computer could probably do it, you know, pretty quickly, you know, and um, run this data through. So I, I'm, I'm for all digitizing and getting these big databases and one, one, central location which david marler is doing in new mexico uh, he has all a, a kufos and nicap and uh, project blue book and he's acquiring more and more you know collections as time goes on and he's digitizing all these things so we have 
more data to pull from because that's where we're going to find answers. What do you what do you think of Project Bluebeam? Bluebeam? What is Bluebeam? That's where they put <laughs> holographic stuff in the air, and you know, they were supposed to. Me and Jenny talked about that to where they put holograms up in the in the air in the sky. Yeah, they were doing a lot a, of that for a while. As a fake um, alien invasion. Have you is heard this of something? That? Is this something that's supposed to be coming, or is this? They keep talking about it's going to happen, but it has not happened yet. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I have heard that that there could be a fake alien invasion in the in planning, and we're all being set up for that. That's where the whole threat narrative is coming from, and all that. I just don't see that happening. Well, I don't why know. Why would you want to invade this boring ass planet? Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, but, uh, why would you? I mean, if you're an alien coming here, you're looking at this like, do I really want to even mess with these humans? Come on, this is no. just hazardous to my health. Yeah, but during your research, right, have you ever gone down the water rabbit holes? Many, yeah. Many? I mean, yeah, yeah just look Does at the Elbert drive, County Did it ramp. drive your marriage like crazy? Did your, or is your husband supportive? Or, <laughs> I mean, could there have been a divorce or a separation at one point in time? Was he doing all that? No, I'm just wondering because <laughs> I know that some paranormal investigators, you know, they're so engrossed and so in tune with it that they don't know the reality that's all around them. And I was just asking, you know, how bad did it get for you? <laughs> well, um, I'm kind of I'm going through that right now. But he he's very he's very supportive. Um, I'm going through a divorce now, but um, he uh, was always very supportive of the paranormal. In fact, he had his own encounter when he was uh, a young kid, actually, um, and missing time. Um, event. So that was interesting. But yeah, it does take a lot of your time and there's, you know, a lot of traveling in that, but you know, that, that, that happens. Um, that's why the name changed Katie Grabowski page. Um, but um, yeah, it's all good. He also does something that takes a lot of time. So he's, he races um, funny cars and dragster. So he's out doing his racing and I'm, I'm out investigating UFOs and the paranormal. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting, too, because some of my kids, you know, I mean, they all support what I do, but, you know, they're like, eh. you know, some of them don't believe in ghosts so much. I'm like, wait until you have your own experience with the paranormal, then something will change your mind. Because I know for me, uh, you know, when my dad passed away and my brother, I had a lot of paranormal things happen. So it's it's. It's one of those things I say, I'm 150% believe in ghosts because I've had so many experiences with that. And I'm still like, I'm more of a skeptic when it comes to UFOs and that. But I, I've moved, the more I learn about and the more cases and more people I talk to, I'm, you know, I'm 90% there that this is a real phenomenon. But I'm not 100% there because I still feel there's a lot of military involvement in a lot of this there stuff. There is that. Yeah. So I kind of have a, a little bit of a skeptical mind still, but not when it comes to ghosts. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there's just, there's just too much. There's no, yeah, yeah. If you I had believe the chance in to be abducted, would you take it? Ooh, you know, and that's the other thing I wanted to say. Like, I'm always leery of people who could tell you, like, you know, how many races there are in the universe and exactly what yeah. they are and what their motives are. Because 
Yeah, because I mean, the world, the, the universe is so vast. There's no way we can know how many races of beings are out there. There's just no way we know. Now we can tell you what's commonly reported, right? The Greys and the Nordics and the reptilians and and that. And who's to say? I mean, this is someone we talk about on our show a lot. I mean, you have the stereotypes that you know reptilians are are bad and evil and da -da, and I don't subscribe to that either. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you could take a whole race of any type of being and put them all in these boxes of good and evil. So would I be, uh, be willing to be abducted? I suppose I would just cause I'd be really curious. Um, <laughs> I just, I guess I'd deal with the consequences later. <laughs> Let's hope I get some nice ones. I don't know. But just think about you willing and you finally do get abducted and all that research you've done, you just throw out the door because it wasn't what you thought it was. Yeah, so, that's why I'd want to be abducted. I mean? So I could go, okay, I have my checklist. Let's see who was right. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of questions I would ask him. And in fact, when I interviewed Dr. Leo Sprinkle, he passed away um, November 15th of 2021. So we, we just lost Leo. Um, and I got to see him a month before he passed. And um, I, I asked him, you know, like, gosh, you, you've been at this for over 40 years and, and you're at the end of your life. You know, he knew he didn't have but a little bit of time left. Do you regret spending your whole life looking for these answers? And he said to me, Katie, he's like, absolutely not, because he got to meet so many fascinating people and have so many great conversations throughout his life, you know, meeting abductees and contactees and researchers and skeptics and just all of it. I mean, it's such a it's such a huge mystery, uh, uh, you know, all of it, the Bigfoot, the UFOs, the paranormal, all of it. So, I mean, I can't imagine just talking about the weather at this point, because we have so many questions about just the nature of reality itself, you know, who we are, why we're here, where we're going. All that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. Well, it's about time to let you go, dear. We appreciate you being on the show. <laughs> I Jill, appreciate you having the pictures me. before she goes. I ain't no, seen them. No. Hold on, Terry. Give me. I haven't seen them come in. I've been leaving. Dang it! I don't know why. I don't know. It's we can have you back on, Katie. Is that okay? Back on. We'll get them. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll absolutely. I'll know if they come in, I'll just put oh. them in the fold. I'll put your name on. Put them in the fold. Yeah, because I'm sure. Jenny would love to be here while while you're here too because she would be definitely fascinated with it. But what's yeah. coming up for you, and how can people get a hold of you? Um, you could go to my website. I always have upcoming events um, there at Katie K A T I E Grabowski G R I B O S K I dot com. Um, and um, let's see, I leave for Phoenix on Thursday, so I'll be speaking in Phoenix. So I'm looking forward to that. I'll be headed to Roswell for the 4th of July. I'll be at that event there. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. So, and yeah. thank you again. I hope you yes, come out to the East Coast. Thank you for all the awesome information. Yes, yeah, I was really just in New York. I was just out there in Pine Bush. So, and that was one of my goals is to get back into the paranormal world. So if you guys ever want me at any of your paranormal things, I'd be happy to be a guest there. Because I, I just love Sean will that. be calling you as soon as you're off the air. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Thank you for being on, Katie. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a Bye -bye. good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, what a good show tonight. And huh? there was two. Yes. <laughs> that was quick. We just went from a full house. <laughs> so, what did you think of her? What did you think of our guest tonight? A lot of information, man. A lot of information, you know, about the UFOs. And, you know, for me personally, I'm still kind of, I'm still like 
on the fence. I want to really see it to believe it like I had to with the uh, paranormal world. Right. You know, once I fully experienced it, it was a, it was a mind opener and changed my whole outlook on all of that. So I'm I'm waiting to see, you know, some actual aliens and, you know, that'd just be amazing. Maybe, you know, I, I'm right there with you because like I tell Jenny all the time and then I say it on the show is that I, I want to act, actually sit down and meet them. You know what I mean? Even though we talk to a lot of our guests that are ufologists and you, you know, do aliens and stuff like that. But I want to see it with my eyes so I can believe it, just like you. Oh, yeah. But uh, maybe someday when we go away for a weekend, like up in New York, we can, like, where are we going? Hill, Hin- what's the name of that house? Hinsdale. Hinsdale House. I know. Yes. I, I don't know why I keep saying Hillman. But <laughs> um, but there's a bunch of um, woods out there in the back, and that just seems to fascinate me. But maybe we should just take a ride up to, uh, what, Westmoreland County and see if we can find any Bigfoot or uh, aliens or UFOs. Something different. What well, do you think? Were, well, we've had, uh, I forget who it was, our, one of our previous guests was talking about UFO sightings out on Route 119 in Connellsville. And uh, okay. with my job, I travel that road actually a lot, you know, several times a week uh, through right through Connellsville. That's, you know, right in the heart of it. And you know, every time I go through there, I'm always looking like, am I going to see something? You know, I think they yeah, said that, the most yeah. recent one was, I think, in October of last year. Right. I'm not sure. And it's like, okay, what time of the day was it? Where exactly was it? Because maybe I was on the road at that time and I just didn't see it. Right. You know, so but, um, to... yeah. So have you, like, that's a good question to ask you. Being on the road, um, like you said, on 119 or any other place, have you ever experienced anything like, you know how you get whenever we go investigate a house, do you ever get like that kind of feeling when you're driving your truck and you're in Connellsville or Brownsville, whatever? Have you ever ridden in a uh, roll-off truck or semi? Uh, Semi, one time, that was it. (laughs) All I can say is bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. (laughs) The only thing you're feeling is your guts churning in your stomach from all the bouncing around in these trucks. So it's kind of hard to have. Yeah, especially the ones that have the uh, rubber block suspension and not airbags, like the one Mm -hmm. I drive. Oh, my God, is it brutal. You know, I'm going to need some new kidneys probably pretty soon. But... uh, as, you know, as far as doing my job, no, I haven't really, you know, been on a road, and be, you know, because I'm just focused on, you know, being safe and watching all the crazy drivers around me, they, you know, causing, you know, could cause potential accidents or whatever. Right. But, you know, we go to some investigations driving down the roads or you get to an area and, you know, you just feel the energy of the area, whether, well, yeah, you know, it might be something like, it's like, just gives you that weird vibe. Like something's not right. Yeah. That, that's probably the most I get, you know, with a lot of areas. I, um, when we go, when like, I'm going down to see a friend of mine down, uh, around 84 PA. And I've been down there many a times and, um, visiting my friends down there and it's, it's, it's eerie as hell, man. Honest to God. How about that one? How about that one um, that we went to before that speaking engagement we did? That one house that 
there was no lights on the road and we couldn't, you know what I mean? Oh, the, the, the one before the uh, Bigfoot convention? Yeah. Yes. How about that? Uh, yeah, down in the middle <laughs> of the woods. And then we find well, out we could have went in from the the other direction and it yeah. wouldn't have been anywhere near as bad. Right. Oh, Just my like God. craters in the road and it's like, wow, oh, there was a terrible. house back here. That was hey, really do have, cool, though. Do you have any off-topic news? Uh, well, here's something off off topic. I was looking at last week. I didn't get to really look into it too much. I just kind of skimmed over it. But uh, what do you think about the psychology behind colors? I just stumbled Ooh. across this. You know, I was, I was down the rabbit hole and this popped up. It, I was trying to read them a little bit, and it's how different colors can, you know, alter your mood or how you're feeling or, you know, just general well being. Did you ever stop to think about that for a minute? Like you walk into a no. room and like, you know, say the wall's one color, you know, you might make you feel upbeat and, you know, good. And then, you know, you go somewhere else and it might be a totally darker color. And then you start to feel just like, you know, ominous or whatever. You know what? Yeah, no, that, I'm glad you brought that up because there are many places I've gone to like, now I understand why they paint meat rooms white, you know, because it's so energetic, you know what I mean? I'm standing there cutting meat when it's like 50 degrees. Well, that way you can the... see where all the blood stains are to clean it yeah, up. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, do have, we do have a bottle of luminol at work, okay? So one of us got cut and it mixes in with the other blood you can pick, you know what I mean? But, but uh, uh, yeah, so... My what store my you work at, I'm not buying any meat there. Shop and save, buddy. Over there in <laughs> Capsule Sand. But um, my off topic um, about how pe- people scam people. And I'll give you a good for instance. My mom. All right. Now, my mom, she's what, 83? She's 83 now. And we needed um, concrete, a sidewalk alongside of the house. And we got these guys, and they gave her a quote on how much she, they're charging for the whole job. She ended up paying close to $4,000 more. You know, I, I, I just want to warn people out there, you know, get other information from other jobs that they did. They, they really destroyed my mom, man, well, because she he- had to pay that extra four grand. Well, here's my thoughts on that. So, you know, it, it, it could be right. It could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, just from working in different fields like that. So you got an estimate, right? So you get it. They probably gave your mom an estimate, probably agreed. Like, okay, this is probably what it's going to be. But you got to remember, it's an estimate. Right. And okay. Unless they said, this is what it's going to be, not a penny okay. more. But when they say okay. estimate, because you then... You, they allow for that ballpark of maybe it'll take less or maybe it'll take more. Or once we start digging Ooh, in, what okay. else is going to, you know, snowball into other issues. Right. Right. You know, like, like if you're getting your house worked on and you're remodeling a room and you get an estimate for that, you know, it's going to be 10 grand to do whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then they start tearing floor up and find you had leaky water. Now they got to rip, stuff out that wasn't supposed to then what you get to call like hey it's gonna be another four or five thousand dollars and you're like what what do you mean you told me this told me that right you know so now i do know there are a lot of scammers out there that you do have to be careful with you know so it's always good to 
read reviews and do your research, get multiple estimates from different companies. You know, maybe, uh, you know, somebody referred you to somebody that's trustworthy. You know, that's the best route to take. Right. But, you know, so you just got to, you got to be careful. But, you know, it's, it's not unheard of with big projects, you know, be like, hey, we need this much more of this because we ran into that. So I don't know. The sad thing about the whole deal was I'm going to have to take a video after it rains. See, the people who did the sidewalk before the water was running toward the house, you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't running away from the house. And we had a lot of almost a lot of structural damage because of the water going in. And this guy was supposed to even, you know, take it to the other side, but he didn't. He, um, when it rained the other day, there was a big puddle right, right by the house. He did it wrong. Do you know what I mean? He did it wrong. And I did, you know, I feel bad for my mom. You know what I mean? So please listen to what Jason had to say. Um, trust somebody, go out and get pictures and, you know, get different information about that. But you know what? We got four minutes left, brother. So four what's minutes. on your mind? Yeah. Oh, what's on my mind? I got a long, long day ahead of me tomorrow. Got to head out of town for some weld work, you know, so that'll be fun. How long are you going to be gone today? Mm, it's usually like a day or two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing crazy, but... Yeah, well, hopefully it's not a hard job for you to do. Well, I think there's like a, a bunch of units that I'll be working on. And uh, so it's going to be uh Thursday's going to be a hammer down kind of day. Okay. <laughs> hopefully we'll get them all done. <laughs> you just, you just have a safe trip, dude. Really? Yeah, have yeah. a safe trip. But you know, yeah. it, maybe I'll keep my eyes open. You never know. You might see on a highway. Yeah. How about all those people out there saying that, you know, they see hitchhikers or people walking down the road. Well, look what happened to you and Russ up in Gettysburg when he caught that soldier that picture. What do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we were just driving around and uh, he was snapping pictures and then mm -hmm. we caught, he caught one. So, well, for me, I got the, I got my weekends tomorrow. So I'm off Wednesday and Thursday and I, I got to go see my friends. And, um, my, my son had a job interview down in Columbus and uh, oh, I'm hoping for that you know what I mean I hope he does pretty decent but we'll see what happens you know yeah, that's we'll all. see what how, how's uh, the little dude doing man uh, all I can say is uh, terrible twos terrible twos on a, on a torture Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as bad this time around you know what I mean but I would like to uh get her back on the show again with jenny you know yeah yeah i'm sure jenny would have a ton of questions oh yeah absolutely i mean yeah. just like, but listen dude i'm a lot of things to say oh no, how can you be out of things to say you got your own show coming up i know that's why yeah it must be like we're on the same wavelength um well hey real quick so you uh what was your determination last week when you were talking about is there a difference between satan and lucifer what did you come up with I honestly, yes, I do believe. I believe that um, somehow whoever wrote the Bible in the different books somehow 
mixed it up automatically is the, the story of him being thrown out of heaven you know um my my thing is that it, it god loved this dude so much right okay yeah. he was the best angel at all and i'm sure that angel felt the same way you know what i mean mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure there was a little i don't I, I just don't think about how that would happen to where lucifer would go against god i believe it was something else it's because he and, wanted power yeah that's true but there's but here's here's the thing and, and then i'll drop it after that um you know he's only mentioned one time in the bible mm. where satan was mentioned like a dozen times and if these people really believed that lucifer was satan okay then why not just put lucifer in the place of satan do you know what i mean yeah why well, change the word on it so but you know what it was yeah it was, it was a rough week um i wanted to tell say this uh it was a rough week you know because a my my week was really rough after that and i'm thinking okay a god's punishing me because i brought that up or b you know god unleashed lucifer satan on me to see how much faith i have in god you know so well, that's probably why it's so hot in your room right now oh jesus yes it is <laughs> i was like but uh my show next um uh my show everybody into the night's coming on next uh on uprn radio 105.3 i'm having my brother we're gonna talk um about reincarnation uh signs that you get you know when your ex is thinking about you and you know what we're going to do? Isn't that where your it, ears itch? Itch, and uh, you turn on the radio, <laughs> and a, a, a song comes on the radio that was your like first dance with your ex and all that. Uh -huh. But me and him are going to talk about Pittsburghese. Oh, boy. You know, no, think about it, dude. Yeah, down I'm there sure in pants and that. Down there and that, you know, and, you know, slipping. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure people who listen to our show right they're saying where in the hell do they come from <laughs> where yeah. because of our accent and, and the shit we say <laughs> but listen it was a good show brother have a good one and um, yes thank you thank you for everybody for tuning in on yes. chasing prophecy on this fabulous torture tuesday and we will see everybody next week see you next week guys all right joe we're done <laughs> Oh, no, no, hey, hey, we're still alive. We're still alive. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't want us to go. No, they don't.